Hey, this is Alex Turcotte. Hey, this is Doc Emmerich here. Hey, this is Sean Avery. Hey, this is Jamie Baker. Hey, this is Jason Zucker. And you're listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to... And you're listening to the Tomahawk Roundup. All right, what is going on, guys? This is Frank Zaraski here with the Tomahawk Roundup, and I am joined by NHL legend, longtime Blackhawks adversary, and four-time Stanley Cup champion, Darren McCarty. Darren, how are you today? I'm doing great, Frank. Great to be on the Tomahawk Roundup. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. So being a part of the grind line for your tenure in Detroit, what was it like being part of such an iconic piece of hockey history? Well, I think the... Uh... The rarity is is that when you give uh, hockey lines uh, nicknames like the production line or the Russian Five in the Red Wings case, um, usually it's high prolific Hall of Fame guys. For the grind line, we're just uh, punching punch at the assembly line, go to work, do all the little things. And when I talk about the guys, I'm talking about Chris Draper and Kirk Malpe, who the the three of us together have four Stanley Cups. So we did all the little things. We were happy to do the little things. I know that, you know, the Chicago fans, through their success uh, through the uh, teams, they had Ben Eager, they had Adam Burrish, they had guys that did the dirty stuff and sparked their team. And we were just able to do it on a team full of the rest of us. The rest of them were Hall of Famers. We were just the grind line. So we're happy that we're, happy that we're recognized by having our uh, being a part of that line. Absolutely. So I wasn't around for the peak of the Colorado-Detroit rivalry, but from what I've seen, it was much crazier than the Chicago and Vancouver one. Give us a window into the past to the Colorado-Detroit rivalry of the 90s. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. The game's changed, but, um, you know, back in uh, the 90s, it's, uh, there, was, there was nowhere to hide. The game was different. You know, the guys were more size, more physicality. I think that uh, more accountability. And what has happened when you have two of the best teams that push each other uh, to be the best in the league in the Colorado Avalanche, Detroit Red Wings. So once Patrick Waugh got traded for Montreal, in 96, I went to Colorado and sort of sparked a rivalry. Now, what really heated it up is uh, early on in our first playoff uh, series, the centerman that I mentioned, Chris Draper of uh, the grind line, my centerman got hit from behind by Claude Mew, who's probably the biggest villain in hockey history. Um, and the problem is, Frank, and, and this is important, that in sports and in life, things happen that we are sorry and we regret. And, and, you know, we apologize. It's part of competing, stuff like that. But you don't really want to hurt anybody else. The fact that Claude Lemieux said after that he was not sorry, that he uh, didn't respect Chris Draper and you never would have heard of him if that didn't happen, well, that doesn't sit very well. No. Let's, just, let's fast forward. We, we lose a... Uh, that playoff series, Colorado was on to win the Stanley Cup, so they're the defending champions. We play them three times during the year and haven't beat them, so we end up playing them the final time at Joe Louis Arena, which is the famous March 26, 1997 game. And the the telltale story behind it, because you know in, in sports and in life, and it doesn't matter where you come from, you have rivalries. And the only way out is through. So even though we had to get revenge for Claude Lemieux and the way he acted and and in hockey, you know, you're not going to be able to cheap shot our guy. There's always going to be some sort of retribution. And the way that it played out, um, the fact that we knew we had to win the game, well, in the first period it starts with Igor Lurianov 
And Igor Larionov is part of the Russian Five, but he's one of the most decorated hockey players in the history of hockey, uh, Russian. And he's the, the he's a gentleman, right? So you, the last person you'd think that would uh, have had enough with their star, Peter Forsberg, and they started hitting each other. And I knew Claude Mew was on the ice, and this was my opportunity. And from there, I was able to drop him down in a famous turtle picture, smash his face against the boards in front of Draper. La, da, 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 da. The, the bottom line, Frank, is I got four minutes for roughing and a 10-minute misconduct. Fast forward, we were down 5-3 in the third period. We tied it up. I scored the overtime winner. So at that moment, on March 26, 97, at the end of that game, for every Red Wings fan everywhere, it was the proverbial, it's going to be all right. Exhale, sigh of relief. I don't know what it means, but it's going to be all right. And, you know, we look back in hindsight, from that date, uh, we were able. I was able to be part of four Stanley Cups, and we were able to go back to back in '97, '98. So, if you look back at history, uh, which I think is important uh, in sports and in life, um, you know that was an integral part. But that was, uh, you know, you can say whatever, whatever things you want, but you know the hockey gods, so to speak, sort of. Uh, even things out, uh, especially and and you know I'm biased because I was the benefactor, the major <laughs> benefactor. But but you know, like I, I called a god shot. I said, I, hey, I not my uh, not my fault. I'm just uh, glad to be there and glad to talk about it. To, you know, twenty some years later, to to people like yourself who weren't around then, but you understand and want to learn more about, you know what was into it because it was way deeper than just the two hockey teams. It was, that's when, and it's different because you could have those rivalries because back in the day you'd, you would only play, uh, you know, for us it would be like the Colorados or the Dallases in the West we had to go through. Uh, because at the time, you know, we had our way with Chicago, just like Chicago had their way with Detroit, you know, in the late, in the late zeros and in, in the teams. So, it's, it all goes around. It's all cyclical like that, but uh, it's always cool to learn where where it all started from. So that's pretty. That's pretty much the the, the March twenty sixth. And then there's great photos around uh, all around houses, Red Wing fans everywhere, businesses of uh, the bad guy getting his butt beat because it represents, you know. The, the fan base of what we're about in Detroit, and it's just sticking up for each other and doing the right thing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You know, sticking up for the little guy who's getting his, his butt kicked. You know, you stick up for your teammate, and that's 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 what hockey's all about. Well, it, it is. And, it, you know, in the hockey and, and life, it's a, it's a great sort of analogy because it's not about being the biggest guy or the toughest guy. It's just about being willing to, to look left and look right and not – care what color what race it's just that's the, that's your teammate that's your brother it's a you know along the same it's the game mentality of what our soldiers do for real life that is life or death for us you know it's not life or death but to the, to the military guys it is but it's the mentality of of something greater than yourself and that's what hockey to me is absolutely team game yeah, so you were probably best known, besides for the turtle punch, you were probably best known for a goal you scored against Ron Hextall before I was even born. Take us through the 97 Stanley Cup Final, Game 4 goal against Philadelphia and Ron Hextall. Well, I tell everybody, I beat one guy one-on-one -on -one my whole career. This includes in practice and everything. It's all timing. So it doesn't matter what you do, you just got to do it at the right time. And, 
you know, for me, it was something that, uh, yeah, uh, when I was drafted in 92 in the second round, Kenny Holland said, what would you do to be a, uh, he was our GM at the time, Ken Holland, who's the GM of Edmonton now. And he said to me, uh, I was 20 years old. He said to me, what would you do to be Detroit Red Wing? I said, I'd do anything. I'd go anywhere, whatever I need to do. I, I want to be Detroit Red Wing. It's ever, uh, I, all I ever wanted to, to be. I grew up, my house is 40 minutes from where Joel Serino used to be. And um, it was like being a, the, I always say, Detroit's favorite stepkid. Exactly. Uh, you know, you know, the, but I went to Sweden after we lost to Jersey in 95 finals. And then after we lost Colorado in 96, I went to Sweden for a month and worked at a hockey school with 8, 9, 10, 11 year olds. And no, I wasn't counseling. I was doing the hockey school with these kids and uh, working on my skills and stuff like that. So it just so happened that in the second period uh, against Philly in game four, uh, we were up one nothing and Andre Costantino put it up the wall to Thomas Sandstrom and me being a right winger, a responsible grind liner, I took the pass and I was thinking, Darren McCarty's thinking, dump it in and get off. Well, I, that was my plan. God had another plan, decided I'd be Mario Mew and I ended up beating Yanni Nina by one-on-one and, and dangling Ron Hextall and I remember clear as day, I had the puck about a foot outside the goal line and I remember... I remember going, please don't miss the net, and it went in. And and then to be able to see one of your childhood heroes and Steve Eiserman to have eyes the size of the dinner saucers looking at you going, what was that? And you go, I don't know. And, and him and his only is true Stevie Y form could say, well, thank God you don't have to do it again. <laughs> and, uh, and it just so happened Eric Lindros scored in 11 seconds left to make mine the game winner, cup clincher, and, you know, no matter what, uh, dumb things you do that when they put it in the hockey hall of fame, it's uh, there for life. So exactly, it's got the, that going for me. Exactly, it's there for life. And Stevie Y, obviously a legend of the game, respected by all, feared by many, including Chicago Blackhawk fans. What was it like to play alongside one of your childhood heroes in Stevie Y? Well, it, it's great. You know that. Let's take it into the you know ESPN just did the last dance on Michael Jordan. Chicago people, whether you were alive or not, the lore of the Michael Jordan, there's the presence of just different kinds of greatness. But the, the one thing is they expect so much out of themselves, and they're the hardest working players. So Steve Eisenman, we call them EF Hutton because it used to be a commercial. When EF Hutton talks, people listen. Well, Steve didn't, wasn't a man of many words, but he was a man of action. And when he did talk, you know, it um, really resonated and and set home. So, you know, you, you talk about him, you, you talk about Chris Chelios too. I got to play with him and, and after battling him um, and, and being an adversary for so long, he's one of the greatest teammates you could ever have. I remember when he first came into the dressing room in the trade, I asked him to see his stick and he said, why? And I said, because I wanted to see what it looked like not being broken over my head. So, <laughs> so we, we hit it off real well, but he's one of the greatest people and one of the greatest teammates you'll ever have. So, Absolutely. Yeah, Stevie Y, Steve Eiserman, the great, awesome captain of the Detroit Red Wings. So you are both an, both an enforcer and an offensive talent. For example, like you said, the turtle fight with Claude Lemieux, and then you score the goal to win it in overtime later in the game. How do you create such a balance in your game? You know what? A lot of it is, you know, first of all, um, when 
I, I was told when I was 15 or 16 that if you want to make it to the NHL, you got to do one thing better than 99.9% of the rest of the people that play hockey. And for me, it was going to play physical. So I enjoyed that part of the game, but I also had some, uh, some talent and ability. And I think that the fact that what made the Detroit Red Wings so valuable up and down the lineup is even our third and fourth lines could play with that, could not only shut down the top lines, but could outscore them. Because I scored 55 in juniors, Kirk Maltby scored 50 in juniors. We There's some offensive ability, and plus when you're in practice every day against Hall of Famers and shooting on, you know, the Mike Burns, Chris Osgood, Curtis Joseph, Dominic Hasticks, you're playing against the best all the time, uh, you're going to get... You're gonna get good by osmosis, bro. So, um, and then hopefully you can pull it out and and when it matters and chip in. But number one is uh, you got a role to play, and the the idea is as long as it was easier for Sergei Fedorov and Steve Eiserman to navigate uh, to the net on the ice, we had a better shot of winning. So if that meant for me fighting somebody, hitting somebody mouthing somebody off, doing whatever it took, I, I, I took so much privilege in it. You know, like, think about it. There's, you got to, I look around the room and just see the guys that I'm playing with, and it was an honor to, you know, go out there and, and fight for them if you had to, or block a shot, or do something, because that's the type of team we, the team we had, no matter how talented um, you know, everybody everybody cared for each other as, as people. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone caring for each other, the strong-knit bond of the team. Want to take it to your personal light. So you are very outspoken for the legalization of cannabis, given its impact in your life. Give our listeners who might not know your story an insight into what legalized cannabis has helped you overcome. Well, let's make this straight, Fred, that... The legalization, I believe, should should be because it will make people free for their option. The whole the whole stance that I have, and and medic, medically is a must. So as long as it's me- medical, uh, but then it leads into the recreation and and it, that that's you know, nor here nor there. My journey as being an alcoholic, as being you know, somebody who's an insomniac who grew up as you were either an athlete or a stoner. You couldn't be both. So, you know, I had friends that were, but I never smoked because I always thought if you smoked, you, you, uh, you know, wouldn't make it to the NHL, but, you know, they'd be giving you drinks at, you know, when you're 14 years old. But that was the norm. So it's just more of a society thing, but then you realize that in your life, because you're an alcoholic and an insomniac and it's not good. So fast forward, you know, I've, I've been to four rehabs, you know, while I played and could never, could never really get it. You know, I'd have sobriety for years, but it was always this battle until I was, until I was almost dead. Uh, it was November 8th, 2015 and I was a few days away from my organs shutting down and everything else through the love of, of caregivers that I had here in Michigan. Uh, there's a, the, the concentrate, the plant, and it's in its full form is called uh, RSO or Rick Simpson oil. Um, it's, it's what they use to battle some skin cancers and epilepsy and, and different things that this gentleman 
uh, you know, pretty much found the compound to it. It's just taking the whole plant and it's letting it use your endocannabinoid system, um, which everybody has. Anything with a spine has an endocannabinoid system, which means the, this plant is to feed your body. Now, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. But, but for me, after seven days of this RSO and pretty much, you know, being in and, in and out of consciousness because it'll shut your body down, that I was free of the, the, the it, it was like the disease. I was free of the burden of, of needing or wanting alcohol because at the end, if you're an alcoholic, it's, you don't get sick when you drink. You get sick when you don't drink. Exactly. Because because you're fighting something that can kill you right then you get into the education so that so for me i had you know smoked and 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 you know had been around but i never took it seriously but when the plant saved my life i I needed to know why and then when i found out about you know everyone having an endocannabinoid system then then uh through my process so that that's been um we're almost on five years right now congratulations Uh, yeah thank you and and it's through the education and of other people that are smarter than me but it's the the bottom line frank that everybody it's not about whether you do or you don't it's just do you know you have an option right because the option that i didn't have was here's pills take these here's pills take these you know nowadays i think that people are smarter and it's not 2000 or 2010 where the education isn't where it's at so we know and seeing to believe in i know that you know i'm a uh, different person because not only that can i you know now I sleep like a baby. Now, now I enjoy life. Now it's just enabled me to enjoy life on life's terms. And to me, that it's one of my journeys. I don't care. I don't care what you do. You know, the bottom line is, I figure I figured out what I don't want to do. And if I'm not doing it, please don't do it around me. So I'm always eager for people, you know, that are. What do you mean by that? And have questions because, you know, when you tell people that, you know, they're like, oh, I don't. I don't smoke and I don't like to smoke. And I, and I say, you never have to, you never have to smoke any part of this plant to get the benefits of it. Here, here's some lotion, rub this on your, you know, where's your, your elbow sore here, rub this on. And, you know, five minutes later, I'm like, how's your elbow? And they're like, what? And it's like, it's not, it's something that you allow. And then you see more now because of CBD and everything else. And, you know, it's about education, Frank. It's, it's, it's about, not being afraid to ask questions what do you mean by that because it also too could save your life and you know frankly i hope you don't there's more for me if you don't but it's my (laughs) obligation to to let you know i hope you know that you have an option and so that's why i hope legalization across the board happens because i think that that people are responsible enough to understand that no it's not for kids but there's cbd benefits to kids you know there's you know different studies but to each their own um you have to ask yourself when the the kicker for me is like it's it's common sense right like so they said hey you have an endocannabinoid system that everything with a spine has and this plant is the only thing that feeds that and it helps all your nervous system and all throughout your system and and everything else and i'm like 
what? It took me to be 45 before, you know, 43 before somebody actually told me this out of anything else. So if I don't know, I go by that nobody knows. And I'll tell them until they're, until they're sick and tired of hearing it. And just the caveat that is, um, let people know is that I'm usually one of the, I'm one of those people that will tell you once and show you twice. So here in Michigan, where it is medical and recreational, um, the Darren McCarty brand comes out of a place called Pinkana, which is a $200 million facility seed to sale up in Pinconic, Michigan, right off I-75. So you'll be, you'll be hearing a lot of big things coming out of there because, uh, it's, it's something that's very exciting because not only are we helping a lot of people, in this state but the education and the communication throughout not only the country but the world is just getting better and it's going to benefit somebody exactly exactly and you you like the saying goes you can't lead a horse you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink it if you teach the horse how to drink the water now you're helping him stay alive well that's it and it's just the education because here's the thing that some of my closest friends don't use it they you know, they do other things and whatever. That's their choice. They know they have the option. And and what you find is that when you're sick and tired, you're sick and tired, and you're somebody that needs something, you know, to, to look at the what we all go through with this pandemic. We can all relate because, you know, we've, I've had to, I learned that, uh, one of the things that I learned is, is that I have an introvert side. I never knew that, Frank. <laughs> wow. Totally absolutely right. Exactly. That's incredible. Exactly. So it's one of those things is that is that it's out there. Get educated. Um, ask questions, and it's it's just the way it is because it's 2020, and nobody should suffer when they don't want to. Exactly, and your education is really paying off. So definitely check out the Darren McCarty brand of CBD when you get a chance. When this is off the air. Thank you so much. Tell us about your show, Grind Time with Darren McCarty. Yeah, when people ask me um, what Grind Time with Darren McCarty is, and I tell them whatever I want. So <laughs> I, I sort of, like it, it's sort of my thing where Grind Time's about everything from weed to sports to whatever I'm feeling and whoever I haven't met. Yeah, I want to introduce my audience to people I know. Through, through our relationships, you know, so I know people always like to meet celebrities or I, I like, I love people, right? I'm, what I've realized, especially in my recovery, is that the reason that I'm still here is the power of the people. So I'm a battery and they're my power. And I do slapstick comedy tour where I travel around Michigan, not right now, obviously, but, and I do comedy and I do, you know, all these different shows and stuff. But Grind Time at Darren McCarty is, you know, the people places and things that i like i also have also have another show called knuckle up with my uh you talk to nick my business development guy yeah. so he's not he's you know he's always interested in and what is the chit chat why did this fight happen why is this guy fighting him so we're gonna take a little bit different different view and go a little bit inside of some of the conversations that I've had and have some guests and I've talked to a couple of the, you know, former hockey buddies that have, uh, might have been in some fight tapes, you know, then they're down for it. So it's just something, you know what, you try to put things out there and, and as you know, Frank, and I, I applaud you uh, being a high school student, getting ready to go to journalism school. I look forward to uh, talking to you throughout your journey. Um, 
you know, that's the one thing uh, as part of the Grind Time family. Once we link up, then you always know that you have the link to find out whatever my truth is if you care to hear it. Absolutely, I care to hear it. You're a legend and an inspiration. Darren McCarty, four-time Stanley Cup champion with the Detroit Red Wings. Darren, thank you so much for the time. Can I ask you one question? Absolutely. So who is your, do you have, uh, do you have a sports broadcaster? Is there, is there somebody that you look up to or want to be, or is there a combination or like, do you have a favorite? Yeah. Yeah. So my, so my influence is actually a guy with your same first name. His name's Darren Hadar. He was with the Chicago Wolves and I grew up watching. It wasn't, I grew up like right in the dark ages. So I grew up watching the Wolves play when Pat Foley was their broadcaster. And I watched this guy, Darren Hadar, and he was the first guy I would go on my knees in the basement and do some shinny hockey and say, he shoots, he scores. It's Darren Hadar. And going off of that, I really like, uh, I, really like Joe Bonatti uh, with the Washington Capitals. Yeah. His, or, his, his fire is something that I really want to emulate in my own broadcasting. The energy he brings to the table and every single night, day in and day out, especially on the Ovechkin one-timers, Ovechkin rips and scores! Alexander Ovechkin simply sensational! I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff I want to bring to the table. So I those those I are two it. those are two of my influences, Darren. And I just can't thank you enough for coming on the well, Tomahawk yeah. Roundup. No worries, thanks for answering. The only advice I would give you is, no matter what you do, be you, kid. Thank you so much. Be you. You 